0: Welcome back to the Brew Theology Podcast. Tonight, Janelle and I are with Rob and Brian. Rob wrote the content tonight. So if you have issues with anybody, it should be with Rob. Our host is Podbean. The website, which gives you all the different uh, glorious understandings of who we are as an organization, is brewtheology.org. Figure out how you can sponsor, partner, start a chapter in your local community. And we're on the Instagram and Facebook at the same channel, at brew Theology. Twitter is brew underscore theology. Tonight, the topic is Ditch the Internet Diatribe, colon, Being Together in Difference by Rob Carroll, the Iowa State Cyclone. And this is interesting because tonight, you know, Rob and I have a difference coming up. By the time you listen to this episode, <laughs> this difference will be like, it'll be like so yesterday's news. And it's only in people's news if they're Big 12 people and really specifically small schools in the Big 12 because Baylor Big is 12 playing... Pillow fight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Baylor's playing Iowa State this weekend, and so we've got you know, opposing boom, boom, boom. clash like, of a, the Titans. Or, Rob and I are never opposing; like usually we're, we're nice guys. Rob's nicer than me. I'll always say that, but we don't fight that often ever really. So we're gonna fight tonight. We're gonna throw down. Go Cyclones! He's wearing his red shirt. <laughs> Conversational guidelines: no soapboxes allowed. So that that'll be hard. <laughs> it's funny, like go we, Greta. We. Yeah, this is what's funny about, uh, about number one, right? No soapbox is allowed. And yet every single week, I think i like glance across the table, and I think we call each other out if we know each other. If it's a new person, it's always awkward. So if you're starting a group and there's a new person at your table, just give it time. Wait for them to come back for a few weeks, and then you can call them out when you know like they're going to stick around, and now we're going to do this friendship thing. So it is hard at first, yeah. especially for nice people like Iowa, Rob, over here. <laughs> But he's actually, Rob's done the best job of calling people out. So nobody gets the last word, but please be passionate. Number two, respect all others and their viewpoints. Three, extend courtesy by listening well. Four, everything is up for discussion. So this kind of a topic, especially this one, on my my table last week, I can't speak for the rest of you, was so different from the first week. Now, if y'all are listening, you don't know what I'm talking about, we do these topics back-to-back. We call it Remix Week, the second week in Denver. And without fail... I had these conversations, and Janelle does too, three different times. Mm-hmm. And so this podcast is a microcosm of what we experienced in the pub. But I can't speak for my table or the other tables. And even if I had those same people back here, that it would be a different conversation it would be tonight. Different. Yeah, I mean, I think last week Rob and I on our our table, second hour, we were like, I don't even know what's going on right now. But community was happening, so that's all is good. So we're gonna try to st- stay on target and track tonight, just for the sake of a, of the you listeners. But everything is up for discussion because that's real life. Lastly, just don't be a jerk or an a hole. So tonight, it's not only trying to understand the other cyclone in the room; it's to understand the other Trumpy in the room. And tonight, I might just take Trump's side oh, for the sake, uh, just for the sake of,
1: of the discussion.
2: Don't ruin a good piece of curriculum, please. <laughs> I hope Trump does. Does he come have
1: up. a side? Is there a side to take? <laughs> no, there isn't. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. You know. Not a cogent, rational one, right?
2: It's so tiny, it looks like a period. No dimension at all.
1: In this discussion
0: tonight, we will will do our best to reflect the the goodness of, I think, Rob's curriculum speaks to the essence of of Ruth theology. That we, we love being together in difference, regardless of our theological, philosophical, socioeconomic, political, yada, yada, yada. We value the humanity in the other, um, and it can be hard, especially if you are fill-in-the-blank. And everybody has that person who is a fill-in-the-blank. So we'll let Rob start first. Introductions. Oh.
2: And if you're looking for good community in the Raleigh-Durham area, check out Meetup. Look up Brew Theology, And you now have a, go- a group going uh, with Brian Spears as your leader. And they had a great first meeting. Look them up and join them. Yeah. That's the triangle. And we can highly recommend Brian to you because we have camped in the woods in North Carolina in the middle of July with them for two years. And we've all survived. We've smelled each other because you're outside in the
0: summertime. So that's community right there. Janelle, you know what this is like going camping in north carolina yep. all the smells come out all the smells and, you know brian's looking at me like i've been drinking too much and, and when I the
2: smells don't come out ryan gets really concerned
0: i do yeah <laughs> this is real life people we're not editing that out so rob we're not going to talk about bowel movements anymore tonight <laughs> and if you if you can handle yourself all right we're going to do little brief introductions you've heard i think you've heard our stories before so we'll keep this extremely short, and then Rob will talk after we do that about just the topic and We why. all
2: have to answer the question, what's your favorite thing about fall?
0: That's, there's too many.
2: You have to pick one. Okay. Or two. But bat poop is not an option.
3: We're down a road, aren't we? <laughs> We're down a road. Hey, my name's Rob. I uh, hey I grew up Catholic and i um i still consider myself christian i still consider myself catholic i've been saying that a lot recently and uh uh it's complicated so uh yeah i don't know we could go into more depth but uh i um really enjoy the interfaith community we have uh did some studying of eastern religion in school uh and really uh favorite authors of quaker really like the uh ecumenism focus of brew theology and the community aspect as you will be able to tell from the topic tonight. Um and my favorite thing about fall, I had an amazing Oktoberfest at Wibby Brewing in Ooh. Longmont last weekend. Oktoberfest beers I generally only drink during the fall.
2: Did you have a good pumpkin beer? I have not yet, but okay. I'm
3: I'm looking for that Janelle and we'll be
0: thinking of you when right. I drink it. It's a hard one to find. It Pump- isn't yes
2: no Plot parks is pretty decent. Four yeah, noses pretty is prevalent this time. Four of year. Nose is, is amazing. Pumpkin
0: stout. Wait, wait, wait. Let, let, mm. let me let me clarify yeah. by this. You can find a shitload of pumpkin beers. It's hard to find a good one. Oh well, yeah, you didn't say that. Fair enough. <laughs> I thought we were just already qualifying this conversation on good beers. Yeah, I mean, you could probably you could probably put some pumpkin spice in your Coors Light if you want to. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's some people hate pumpkin beers.
2: I've got liqueur. I've got pumpkin spice liqueur. So we could add that to anything. It's we true. should have pumpkin spice margaritas.
0: Oh, there
3: you go. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: <laughs> I, I, I realize no, no, no. that this may be selling out, but Starbucks has an amazing cold brew pumpkin spice latte right now. Cold, it's so good. And it's like foamy, and they got the little sprinkles on top. Tasty. Sounds Star, good. Starbucks, you better be sponsoring this.
2: Yeah, we'll take your sponsorship money anytime.
1: Well, I'm Brian. Uh, like Rahab, I grew up Catholic, um, kind of evolved into evangelical Christianity, and now I don't really call myself Christian anymore. I've become comfortable with not labeling myself Christian over the last couple years.
2: What's that like?
1: Liberating. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's... it. For me, it's been great. Actually, in the wrong in the wrong crowds, they look at you funny. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question about Those that. Those people but... back at Wheaton say,
0: hmm, "Oh yeah, slippery slope, backsliding yeah, that's atheist." Right where there, where I
1: grew up, Wheaton, Illinois. Um, I really, I really love stoicism and Buddhism. So while I wouldn't necessarily call myself a Buddhist or a Stoic, I really embrace some, some of their kind of daily practices. It's been very helpful for me.
2: What do you love about fall?
1: I well, I mean, I think Ryan knows what it is. It's college football for me. Uh, that's kind of my guilty pleasure, especially in the fall. I love college football. Go Illini. Go State. Hook'em horns. And sick'em bears.
0: Ryan, Southern Baptist, we're the protesting Protestants over here on this side of the table.
1: March the Holy Friday. War here tonight. We, we Catholics to... <laughs> on one side, Protestants on the other. No, really, we, we
0: used to think you guys were going to hell, you know? I mean, it was it was serious. In fact... I think in some ways we thought other Protestants were going to hell, too. I know Janelle's specific group did, all except the Nazarenes. And Jesus
2: so, was a Nazarene, <laughs> man. Well, he's from Nazareth. That's right.
0: Well, I grew up that believing name. that uh, in the JJJ theory, Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan. Thus, Jesus is a Baptist. See how I said is? That's right. He was a
2: Nazarene.
0: Well, you know what? Back in the day, I would have disagreed with you. And today, I still disagree have with you. But you would have been wrong. <laughs> but I got to say, the the Southern Baptist did give me my start in ministry. And while I am no longer a Baptist, I do hold on to a lot of the sort of traditional stuff within that. I mean, I'm an adult believer's baptism guy still to this day. I've worked in churches that do the infant sprinkling. And that's fine. I respect that. But I've still, <laughs> I, I have two kids, and like, no, nah, that's not the road that we've chosen. I'm going to wait until they're older. But I am now um, more into interfaith dialogue, interfaith community, and while I appreciate the evangelical tradition from which I've come and we've come, Janelle, I, I'm, I guess I'm post-evangelical. Mm-hmm. And some would say it's X. But I don't think I can fully give up that the, Like, there's good news, so I'm post. I'm post-good news.
2: Okay. What do you like about fall?
0: I like the trifecta of... God's three favorite sports coming together as baseball is ending, football is in its just prime, and the NBA is about to begin. The fact that you get to drink uh, really good fall beers, like Rob was saying, and the leaves are changing, you go outside in the morning, in you the can't evening, take them all. and it's cool. Oh, my goodness. The fall is the, October is the best time of the year.
2: All right. Uh, I'm Janelle. Uh, Born and raised in the Church of the Nazarene, um, officially backslidden and going to hell now. Uh, (laughs) I usually go by the label of progressive Christian. And uh, what do I love most about fall? I love the cooler weather and the leaves, probably, and the smell. Fall has a nice smell, since we were talking about smells earlier. You get rid of the spark of the summer. We We weren't.
0: You can hide all the B.O., with that natural pumpkin spice flavored latte, this and that.
2: I'm surprised they haven't made deodorant it <laughs> yet.
1: Oh, I'm sure it's out there. Shaving it, totally. Cream. 100% out there.
2: Shaving one. cream?
3: Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All those I mean, things. Someone's going to be come up with
1: there. a PSL
0: toilet, r- toilet under paper. Under the arms. Oh, yeah. that's, that's a bit too private.
2: <laughs> After where we've been already tonight? Okay.
0: I'm just saying for body the g- general public, body wash. <laughs> they probably have that. Shampoo. Definitely. So, Rob, being together in difference, map it out, where are we headed tonight? These questions are... Amazing. ...really good. The quotes are Phenomenal. awesome. Phenomenal. Oh, God. All kinds of words we can use to describe your well, content, Mr. Carroll.
3: Well, it's funny you guys discuss the questions because... And uh, you could be lying to be nice, which is... I'll accept it. I accept all Whatever. nice... I accept all nice comments, uh, even if it's just to protect my, my gentle ego. Um, so yeah, so tonight's topic. So this one is one that sits close for me because not to be old man, uh, upset at social media, social media is fine. Like there's, there's a lot of good things that happen with social media, but it does drive me crazy to see people screaming out at each other online. And sort of the, the, the larger rage machine online is frustrating to me. Uh, and, you know, when we see injustices in the world, that's pretty heartbreaking as well, right? So, um, so I understand why people are emoting online. Um, but uh, what I sort of wanted, what I wanted to write about and bring to the group, is really focused on what the group is about for brew theology in Denver, um, being together in difference uh, with people who you may not agree with. You know, in addition, I wrote about this topic because you know, just in society we. We have a hard time uh, disagreeing with each other and still being like, you know what? I love that person I disagree with. And I'm interested in learning more about their story. I'd like to share more about my story with them. Uh, So that feels all very like Pollyanna of me. Um, And that's one of the reasons I find this topic challenging. I'm really interested and excited about hearing people's stories. I'm really interested and excited about people being able to communicate with each other when they believe different things or they're involved in different things or they are different. Um, But at the same time, I recognize all the challenges with that and I recognize all of uh, all the ways it's difficult to be together with people who are different from you to be civil, to, uh, to have a productive interaction with people who are different. Um, One of the, religious or theological players I put in the notes uh, as Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who is the chief rabbi of great Britain for a number of years says in a book on difference, the test of faith is whether I can make space for difference. Can I recognize God's image in someone who is not in my image, whose language, faith, ideal are different from mine. If I cannot, then I have made God in my image instead of allowing him to remake me in his. So um, really like that quote to kind of start off the, the topic. Um, and then, uh, brought in a Carl Sagan quote to, to say, you know, Sagan says, uh, you know, our posturings are imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe are challenged by the, uh, this point of pale light. And he's talking about the, the earth, the pale blue dot, our planets, a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. So that's kind of a more, um, we're such a minor that's a quote that sort of addresses, you know, how we're such a minor piece of the universe. So we, you know, we sort of inflate our own importance, but one thing that I believe with all my heart is that we are, we are locked in an inescapable web of humanity. And that's, those aren't my words. Those are the words of a lot of great thinkers. Um, Parker Palmer being one of them who is also in tonight's material, uh, and he and Courtney Martin in 2015 were taped in an interview on on being with Krista Tippett talking about uh the inner life of rebellion and um and showing up with each other and community uh and one of the quotes i really like about this topic of being together in differences the civility we need uh will not come from watching our tongues it will come from valuing our differences. So being together in difference doesn't mean not showing up as you who who you are. It doesn't mean uh filtering yourself. Um it means showing up uh with the whole of who you are, um being open and honest and also valuing the difference we have with the other. I would say one condition of the topic that I wrote about tonight is that you You really have to uh, approach a conversation reg- around difference with the uh, consideration or the willingness that you might be wrong in whatever your stance or position is, but also to show up as as you are kind of in your full self. and And you also have to be curious in a conversation with the other, right? Like if you really want to get down to difference and I'll use like my political beliefs and my dad's political beliefs. That's a really personal example, right? But like, I love my dad. We get along very well. We have very different political beliefs. Um, We have conversations that are sometimes difficult, sometimes charged. Uh, But I really want to know more about where he's coming from. I really want to know more about his story and examples from his personal life that impact his decisions in politics. And I hope that I can share a little bit about my personal examples my um personal experiences that relate to how i think about politics right so yeah it's it, this topic of being together in difference feels to me like it's extremely important because we can't get away from each other as much as we'd like to uh we we can't and it's impossible so when i think about being together with people who are different from me i also think about what is what's my other option I mean, if I'm not going to be together with people who are different than me, my other option is to write other people off, uh, to, to consider them less than, to consider the other, um, less than me. It doesn't mean I have to take on other people's beliefs, but like, how do I be together in that difference? So I've rambled a lot. I think I'll stop now rambling. You can see how I struggle with this topic and this part of the reason I wrote about it. I'm excited about it, but I find it complex. I find it interesting. Um, and I come to this topic from a different angle than probably everybody at this table and people who are different from me, who maybe have a different socioeconomic background, racial background, religious background, etc. Somebody on the Gaza Strip might come to this conversation a little bit differently than I come to the conversation. Somebody who's you know, experience violence regarding religion or politics, et cetera, et cetera. So, anyway, that is a lot that I threw out there, but it's a, it's a super uh, interesting topic to me personally, and it, and I I find you know I hold it pretty close, but I'm really interested in what our community as a whole, brew theology, and people at this table, um, how they interacted with the topic.
0: And you had prefaced this too with. We are privileged. We come to the brewery. We pay five to seven dollars for a beer. You know, it's it, and even somebody had made the comment too, at our table the first week that you know brew theology while, while different as far as like people's uh, religious beliefs and how they think about God and or don't think about God. Like she's like you know looking around, she's like it's kind of homogenous. You know, totally. And I said that's true. I said, but that's and you had you had said that at the beginning of I'm like yeah, it's right there at the very beginning before he gets to the content. You know, yeah, um, right. So how much, in Parker Palmer, I mean, talk about a privileged, educated white male. Totally. Yeah. Yep. So can we start with the the hard questions? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I'm an idealist like you, and so I see this and I say, yeah, I mean, this is fantastic. Um, But is it just a privileged conversation and a privileged reality that could be a possibility?
3: I have thoughts about that, but I totally want to leave some space here.
0: Start, Hart, I'm sorry to start off intensely with that question. I love I, think, the question. I think there's so much of this that, I mean, we will get into for sure.
2: I don't think it's only a privileged conversation. I do think probably that depending on your amount of privilege, that gives you more space in your life to wrestle with this. Um, but I think that people wrestle with this kind of... Um, interaction and disagreement in all kinds of different parts of life. Um, You know, I, I know people that work in all different kinds of jobs in all different parts of the economy, and they will tell stories of how there's this person at work that goes off on a diatribe and how do you manage that and how do you get around that. And, you know, maybe not all of them have the ability to come get a craft beer and sit down and talk about that, but instead, they're forced to deal with it in real time and try to figure out how to have those conversations in the moment or the next day or the next week. Um, so I think, I think it's valuable all the way around. It just, what may differ is how much energy you can put into trying to find peace in the midst of this.
0: I remember somebody saying once, all we have are words. Now, we used to have symbols. We still have symbols, and we're going to an, an emoji world at some point, I'm sure. Uh, but when you, yeah, you know, if you have to speak somewhat, and in, in, even back in the day, you know, we talked about missionaries going overseas back in the church days, and they still do this, of like learning to speak, the, you know, people's language, right? And and understand their world before you can bring, up, bring you know, whatever it is that you want to bring to these people, whether it's proselytizing or whatever. Or empire. Yeah. So I... I but that's when you, when all you have are words. I mean, we have in our country, I mean, ev- even online, for instance, Rob, you say ditch the internet diatribe. I think there's certain things that I see online, and I even saw this today. I'm going to, here's an example. Okay. I came in here before we started recording, and the president had um, had retweeted some video of Greta Thor. It's your, Thunberg. Th- 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 how did he say it? Thunberg. Thunberg. Okay. So you, you all know who she is by now. Okay, and he he. Let's get you. was let's, picking let's, on let's, her. But let's get his quote. Hold on, but this is a great example. This is a prime example right here. I'm scared. No, where I think we're this going. is. I think this is important because this is all we have. Our words. Here we go. Oh, I gotta scroll down. He's tweeted a lot since then. Yeah, <laughs> he's had a busy day, Donald. Holy moly! Between golf cues,
2: <laughs> golf tees.
0: So on Twitter. Donald D- Donald J Trump, real Donald Trump. He says this. He he quotes Greta from Wired, and he has the video here. His words are: "She seems like a very happy young girl, looking forward to a bright and wonderful future. So nice to see!" Exclamation mark. I read this, and I thought, "Oh, that's nice of him." I uh, I go online and on Facebook, and about half of my friends on Facebook are. Finding articles from CNN, MSNBC, and all the other saying that he is mocking this girl, and I'm like, wow, all we have are words, and online makes it very difficult. Okay, um, he was was mocking her. Okay, there's different. There's clearly difference there already. Just, just within people who will align themselves on the same sort of like uh, political platform, right, if you will. And so if you, if, if, if this, this isn't in English, this is 21st century, right? And I'm trying to understand this. But now we're trying to talk about things beyond, we can't even get past, how about this? We can't even get past ourselves with, with language as Western progressive thinkers, okay? What about when you're trying to talk to people of an Eastern tradition or people who are lower socioeconomic or, I mean, and anybody who's been overseas, and Brian, you know this as well, you've lived overseas like I have. It's very difficult. It's hard enough here.
3: So uh, one, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Well, I mean, one thing that comes to mind immediately and I, I didn't mean to jump in before you were going to hop in, Brian, is that, yeah, I mean the, the medium of the internet becomes really difficult. Uh, the other thing too is, you know, a big component of this is listening, right? A big component of this topic of being together in difference is listening. Um, you know, and, and I really kind of want to stay away from the the Trump tweet topic for myself, not for you, mm-hmm. only because I I feel like I'll go down a road of like of constructing an argument about why that was a disingenuous tweet, right? Which I I'm not sure I care. Which I don't know what that says about me. Um, but you do, yeah, kind of. And T- tweets are affecting the world now. Oh, oh of course, absolutely. And in I and. I guess for this topic, I have a hard time understanding unless I'm convinced by someone I'm totally willing to be wrong that this can happen beyond sort of your local, your local level, like being together with people, really being together with people, not online, like being together with my neighbor, being together with the person across my city, the person who's from a different part of Denver, Um, and being, being together with people, not, not necessarily in an online format, unless it's a constructed online format that's built to be in such a way that people are encouraged to exchange ideas openly and not necessarily comment on other people's ideas, but share their own ideas or experiences. Like it has to be constructed, but that's where it's like, you know, maybe this is maybe a lot of what I'm talking about in this topic has to be on a local level um or if it's going to be online it's an interaction with people online who you know whom you know well like you know them well they know your heart you know their heart i I hate to use squishy language like that but at the same time like that's what i mean like you know where they are coming from they know where you're coming from and that's really difficult to do online it's really difficult um And and then by the way, add the public aspect of like social media and there's other people involved in the conversation who can view it because it's public who don't know any of the context that you've maybe built with somebody Mm -hmm. in a conversation. So, so I don't know. I think maybe part of what I would argue with this topic too, is that it's, uh, you really want people to ditch the internet diatribe. I think kind of. Or if you're not going to ditch the internet diatribe, then send people private messages on Facebook or Twitter to engage in an actual yeah.
0: diatribe. And I've, I've got this one buddy, and he's a pastor in Texas. And that happens to us quite a bit is that we'll see a thread go crazy and we differ on things. And it probably looks like to other people that we're mad at each other. Right. And like, well, but you're they not. don't know we've known each other for, gosh, I mean, like 15 plus years sure so we'll take it aside and watch you know we'll watch it also as we direct message back and forth like man people are still going crazy over what we were talking about sure you're like we're not mad at each other yeah because we have a relationship absolutely
2: that matters yeah and i will just given how we started the conversation i do need to point out that for women that's a lot harder than it is for men because um instant messaging and private conversations, um, especially in topics that may be kind of heated, um, can be used to be really abusive to people that you don't know well. And I know a lot of women that have, have voiced personally, like how afraid they are of that and how vulnerable they feel when someone messages them that they, they know in an online group, but they don't know personally. And, um, and, and, getting to know each other in private messaging is not a healthy option uh, or a safe option. Just. Yeah. No debate. No.
1: Well, I think Rob's point is really good. I mean, ultimately the best way to do this is is through face-to-face conversation Mm -hmm. because you get so much context there. You can ask clarifying questions. I mean, even reading a book, you can't really do that. I mean, you're, you're, whether it's reading Parker Palmer or whether it's reading a history book, you're still reading that through your lens you're going to interpret that author so that your views tend to be correct, you know, so that it justifies you. Um, so the internet, the, the speed of the internet, the way the internet connects people that are so far away can be the, the absolute opposite of conversation. There's no context. There's no questioning. You both think you're right. And, and you may actually both be much, much closer on a particular issue than you really think, but you're looking at that 15 or 20% of difference you have and only focusing on that. So it appears as though you're so different. You know, we talked, we joked earlier about, Oh, there's Protestants on that side and Catholics on that side. And I mean, history, Protestants and Catholics have fought horrible wars. And yet if you really look at the theology they agreed on so much more than they actually disagreed on. Why did they fight wars? Because they constantly focused on the disagreement, and they they couldn't mend those fences on on any level. So, I agree with you, Rob. I mean, if we can ditch the internet uh, commenting and engage in in, well, in what, conversation, what would it
2: be like if let's say you're you're in a Facebook message? you know, you're, I mean, uh, on a, on a wall, you're all talking. And all of a sudden, if you have four or five exchanges with someone, the video opened up and you had to confront them face to face. What, how would that change the discussion?
1: Absolutely. Cause it's so much easier to just type in your anger and hit enter, especially when you don't know the person, right, it's right. so much easier to send an email or send a text with your, you know, you know true feelings or, or, instant emotional feelings than it is to actually engage in that conversation and take the time to engage in that conversation. How many
0: times has your spouse said, if you've had an issue with somebody else, whether it's a coworker or a friend, pick up the phone, call him, call her. I mean, I don't know how many times in 18 years of marriage where Lauren has done that to me and she's always right. And I'm like, I just want to send that person that (laughs) dirty, just damn it. Text No. Yeah. I mean, you hear the voice, something happens to the brain. I mean, face to face, even better for sure. If you could sit down and have a coffee with somebody, but if they're not in the same city, you know, you you know, give them the phone call, and yeah, just hearing someone's voice is depends on the voice. It's soothing.
3: <laughs> sure. Well, one of the things too about so I wanted to comment, not to go too far back on the conversation about about privilege, which I think. I think you're spot on. And I love Janelle's comment about maybe, you know, the level, the level you can, the amount of time you can spend on philosophizing and thinking about these topics, right? That there's a lot of privilege in that. Another thing I would, I would say also, though, along with this topic is that, um, like being able to listen to people who are not, Uh, engaging in brew theology every week, like to actually listen to people who are on the margins of society or the margins of a topic or the margins of the political spectrum or the margins of wherever my ability to listen to that person as best I can in a genuine way and really be curious about that can help close the, close the gap and like, and to really be interested and to really think that, um, you know, there's a lot of there and maybe I'm channeling some of my old self. Like there's a lot of people who think that, um, and I probably thought this more at one time than I do now, certainly that like, how much could I learn from somebody on the margins of society when I'm, you know, so sort of on the privileged spectrum of society. And well, the answer to that is a lot. Um, so the other thing I, I would say too, is that there's a lot for us to learn in this conversation, um, from people who don't have the same privileges time, um, that we do to engage in this topic because yeah, the, the time, energy, money, all that to be able to engage on this topic and think about it and talk about it, is a real thing for sure. Um,
1: but yeah, no, I mean, that's an interesting point. I think that we live in a society that is so extremely busy. People are working so much, um, for, for all sorts of different reasons, no matter where you are on the socioeconomic ladder. I mean, there are some extraordinarily wealthy lawyers that I know that are still working 75 hours a week. Um, people don't have the time necessarily to engage in this and, you know, you could argue whether that's an intentional, an intentional way of our, the way our society is structured, you know, this uber capitalist individualistic society. We don't have the time to really engage in good democratic discussion, to really be good educated voters, to really participate in a democratic society. And, you know, we, we may very well be the few that actually have time to, to really kind of chew the fat of these issues. Most people are, are burning the candle at both ends, and it's the way our society is structured.
3: It's fascinating, though, too, and I've, I've talked about this. I know with you before, Ryan and Janelle, I think with you and Brian, I don't know if you've heard me talk about this before, but like one of the things that I love about our communities, is it's intergenerational, and part of the reason I love that is because I find, it, I find end-of-life care to be really fascinating. We were talking about hospice before we started. Brian and I were. And Ryan and I have uh, some good friends. We have a good friend who is a palliative care doc. I spend a lot of time with palliative care, with oncologists and palliative care docs in uh, Seattle. And what I've gathered from my experience with people who are near end of life or much my senior is the conversation about like, uh. We you know, you were talking, Brian, one of the comments was we're our society structured in a way where we stay busy, it's capitalists like make that money. And one of the reasons I enjoy talking with people who are thirty to forty to fifty years older than me is because I think they hold some wisdom in terms of what's really you know what's really important to them as they reflect on their life. and I find that interesting and engaging, right? And uh, the point of that being you know, we talk about in sort of and this, is what you're alluding to in just kind of society is like, we don't have time for this. We don't have time for that. I'm working, I'm taking care of the kids, which are all real things. And I'm working some more and I've got to stay busy with this and stay busy with that. And, and maybe the question, and I know the question that Palmer and Courtney Martin would pose is, you know, we can't afford not to engage in these conversations. And, that's an interesting shift for people to really think about like, does it matter uh, that we engage with people who are different from us?
2: Well, I think historically it has been. Um, I think one of the roles that the church played in uh, community life is that everybody went there. Like, especially if you go back far enough into where a town, there might only be one or two churches and that's where everybody went to find community business, to worship, to do a potluck, to celebrate the seasons, whatever. And you were forced to be around people that were different. And I think, especially here in Denver, a lot of that is falling away. Um, there just aren't a lot of spaces here where we're forced to do that. I would go on a, out on a limb to say, if you go to church in Denver that's not mainline, you're picking your community based on people like you in some way. So I think that we aren't forced into that conversation as much as maybe a generation or two ago, even.
3: That's interesting, right? Like we know we have statistics saying people are moving away from the, like the institutional church or the mainline church. And it's easy, it's easy to retreat to our corners, particularly in like middle-class America. And I can only, I only feel like I can speak to that because I I'm part of like white middle class America. It's way more comfortable. It's—I don't know—that it's more enriching if you, you know, make a good faith effort to engage in a way that's not just retreating to your corner. I think you find the reward or the uh, the richness in it, but it's certainly easy.
2: Thanks for joining us on the Brew Theology podcast. If you want to know more about us, you can find us at www.brewtheology.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Brew Theology and on Twitter at Brew underscore Theology. Join us again next week as we finish up Stop the Internet Diatribe and answer the question Does it matter for us to find time to engage in these discussions? Cheers.